No, we're back. Okay, so welcome everybody. This is episode 38 of the Tilted Lawyer podcast. We're here to talk about Natalia Grace, the mysterious case of the little girl, Ukrainian orphan, who was adopted by an American family in or around 2010. The adoptive family believed that she was a six-year-old little girl. However, uh, subsequent events led them to believe that she might actually be an adult, Mm -hmm. much like the movie The Orphan that came out around that time in Mm -hmm. 2010, uh, which was popular in all the rage back then. They since made a sequel to that. Um, But at any rate, um, there was accusations that this little girl attempted to murder her family, attempted to murder her siblings, uh, attempted to murder her mother by way of um, adoptive mother, by way of electric fence. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was allegations of sexual misconduct. There was a a legal re-aging. There was federal charges of child neglect and abuse that were subsequently dismissed. And we're going to talk about all of it coming up next. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? I'm Omar Serrato, experienced and practicing attorney, fierce litigator, and unofficial commentator on the most popular legal issues of the day. I'm the host of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, joined by Eliana Clone Rosa and the TLP crew, where we break down the human aspects of law that everybody wants to talk about. I've been a practicing attorney for many years, but nothing in this show is or should be taken as legal advice. We're not going to pull any punches. We might even get a little bit dirty, but we want you to join us anyway. All right, enough of that. So, before the show started, when we thought that we were live but weren't really live, you're telling me about how much you didn't like that guy speaking and you just got sick of hearing him after a while, which I had the same thoughts. So, when that that show first started, Mm -hmm. I actually thought that the show did a really good job Mm -hmm. of trying to be objective. I know that they started... Mm -hmm. With his story. Mm-hmm. And then you're thinking, so this first, this case first showed up on my radar around that time, like 2012. Okay. That's when the case kind of went public mm-hmm. about, hey, there's a 33-year-old lady that was posing as a six-year-old girl that mm-hmm. tried to murder her, her whole family. And I remember hearing about it on the Howard Stern show. Okay. Back then. <laughs> and you were talking about it. And I was, mm-hmm. I don't even remember what I was doing back then. I think I was just out of law school. Brand new attorney, I was like, oh, well, that's an yeah. interesting case. That was my first introduction to it. Mm-hmm. And then this Friday evening, uh, this this past Friday, mm-hmm. I was at home and, you know, looking for something to do. This documentary was on. I was like, oh, yeah. And I just became enthralled, very much the same way that you did. And then, yeah, they introduce it with, like, this crazy introduction with this guy that's kind of, like, losing his shit mm-hmm. on camera and is, like, pounding the floor. And you're like, what is up with this guy? Um and the whole family, and then he, like, very uh, blusterly shouts out, we were all abused. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what are we even doing with this I show? Know. What are we talking about? <laughs> like, who was abused? And so and then they get in to the accusations where they talk about, oh, yeah, it was. I remember it. And without context, the way that I remember it is that we brought in this adoptive child. Her name was Natalia Grace. Mm-hmm. She was cute as a button. And she came into the doors, and I remember opening the door for her. And she's like, Mommy and Daddy. She comes running in, and it was one of the happiest moments of my life. Mm-hmm. And then come to find out later that evening uh, that as my wife was giving her a bath, mm-hmm. that she's screaming my name as if somebody, somebody uh, was, you know, 
there was some kind of an emergency, mm -hmm. but I could hear the distress in her voice. And I walk in there into the bathroom and she's white as a ghost. And we look down and she's got a full set of pubic hair. And we're like, who in the hell is this little girl? That's mm -hmm. how we're introduced to the documentary. Mm -hmm. And then they go on to tell us about their experiences and there's lots of video and there's lots of pictures and accusations mm -hmm. and you get to sort of meet the siblings that yes. would have been the adoptive siblings. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't a whole lot. No. I mean, they, they kind of have bits and pieces here. You don't hear his wife speak at all. No. So it's all this guy. Mm -hmm. Initial, My initial thoughts of him, and I wish my brother was here to talk about mm -hmm. it because he could comment, but... Obviously, that guy was gay. And so mm -hmm. it was like, because he had mentioned, I got a divorce and, you know, I have 24 cents mm -hmm. in my bank account and he was being super dramatic. I was like, oh, well, obviously, because he was gay. Does that make sense? You know, okay. my initial thoughts. <laughs> but he had, he just, his, his mannerisms, the yes. way that he's, his speech patterns, the way that he presented himself, mm -hmm. the dramatic. The dramatics was. <laughs> oh, it was, it was, it was so much with this guy. But annoying. yeah, your initial thoughts here. Okay, before we even get into mm -hmm. any of the evidence, and by the way, I have um, some of the court's reasoning okay. as to why she was legally reached at B-22. Mm -hmm. There is actually an appeal to the uh, Supreme Court oh, okay. about the validity of the rulings that were made in the various reagings and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get into some of that. But before I get into any of that, including some of the medical stuff, um, your impressions about mm -hmm. how old you thought that she appeared in the beginning portion of that documentary. In the beginning portion, um, to me, she looked like a little girl compared to the later interviews where she has like the longer hair, yeah. like straight length, uh, hair. Yes. Like physically to me, she looked like a, a little girl. Now when she's interviewed that I hear her voice for the first time, her voice seemed to me like an adult voice, but now, I, right. Yeah. But it, I think those were like the more recent, um, interviews and um, videos that they did. Interesting that you bring that up. I'm not really sure how much your voice matures mm -hmm. um, with her medical condition like mm -hmm. oftentimes yes. um, little people they have their voices their vocal cords they mm -hmm. don't really progress yes. beyond this high pitched mm -hmm. childish voice but there was one instance in that show mm -hmm. where <clears throat> when she's in that apartment mm -hmm. and then dipshit dad what's his name Michael. Um, Michael. Mm -hmm. He's in there and he's getting stuff for his lawyer and he mm -hmm. walks in there and he's videotaping the whole thing mm -hmm. and he grabs her cell phone, deletes all of her contacts and yeah. he's asking her where she got all of her food and oh, what yeah. was she doing this and that. Oh, I hated that portion. I wanted mm -hmm. to fight that guy. I really did. Because yes. I'll tell you what I saw. I didn't, I saw a little girl being like verbally mm -hmm. abused and not knowing how to process. And she had that blank affect yes. that you see in all the yes. children that are in that position that I've seen. How many times have you seen that in your own and just in your cases, mm -hmm. let alone in life? Um, I'm like, this girl's like obviously like eight years old. Yes. She didn't know what to do, how to respond. She's very anything. clearly not a teenager, yes. not an adult. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I wanted to fight that guy. Mm -hmm. like, leave her alone. But he's like, Hearing her voice and the way that she was speaking, mm -hmm. compared it to compare it to um, the Dr. Phil interview mm -hmm. that she gave a couple exactly. years ago. Oh, and by the way, um, there's another portion of this documentary that's coming out. And well, they said in the summer. Okay. 
that's going to be specifically her story, response to the accusations that were made against her. You mentioned that this documentary seemed to be geared towards the allegations against yes. her, her being a scam artist, mm-hmm. and she didn't get really much to say. Well, she's coming out, I guess, to do her tell-all. Okay. Natalia. Um, Natalia. Okay. Not the, the adopted mother. Yeah, I'm just going to say night and day between mm-hmm. this and that. Now, you can try to say that she was acting. You can try to say that, oh, she was putting it on. I don't know. It didn't seem that way to me, given the scope of everything that I was mm-hmm. witnessing as I watched her perform. Let's get into some of... Okay, before we get too deep in, let's get into some of the timeline. Mm-hmm. So, Natalia Grace Barnett. If you haven't watched the Amazon Prime documentary, it was produced by Investigation Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, They wrote this uh, three-episode documentary that details Natalia Grace Barnett, um, highlighting her as a Ukrainian orphan adopted by Michael and Christine Barrett. And the story had become uh, the subject of a lot of debates uh, regarding um, the attention, the peculiar circumstances that were surrounding her adoption. There's lots of questions that I have um, Mm -hmm. about that, and we're going to get into some of it. the allegations from her adoptive parents. Um, so they adopted her back in 2010. Mm-hmm. Again, initially believing she was a child, she was diagnosed with a rare form of dwarfism. It was known as a SDC. I'm not even going to try to pronounce mm, yeah. it. <laughs> it was a rare form of dwarfism. Um, the Barnett's, they began to suspect that she was posing as an adult because of mm-hmm. the pubic hair thing, because of some of her odd mannerisms, because of some of her, the, the, the way that she would phrase her sentences, mm-hmm. because of the way that she, when they felt in all of their expertise that she was obviously hiding the fact that she was older than she was because she was hiding her accent or she was, um, she felt that they were whatever. Yeah. Um, all the reasoning is to reach to the conclusion. They so just they had wanted. suspicions, right? Yeah. They thought that her birth certificate was forged. Mm-hmm. Um, that led them to pursue a legal change of her age that they say they got the idea from a uh, officer that oh, yes. was called to investigate the, ha- mm-hmm. uh, the family for charges of parental neglect. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that went on in that house that did not make it into that documentary. Mm-hmm. They touched on some of it. Yes. But there was very clearly extensive physical abuse perpetrated on the part of Michelle Mm -hmm. as to the little girl. They were called there because they literally locked her out until she made some kind of admission. I forgot what was, what was it? Admit that you were. That she uh, was older. Yeah. Admit that you're really, whatever they said. And they locked her out until when she's out there crying. Mm-hmm. Until somebody calls the cops and, you know, they're trying to tell the this whole worst. story. Mm-hmm. They had her mentally evaluated. Yes. Which After the fence incident, I think, is it when they lock her down? Yeah. And then they claim, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it substantiated anywhere, but they claim that she was diagnosed as a grade A sociopath. Oh, yeah. I remember. And that there's no that. help for this little girl. This is just, mm-hmm. well, she is what she is. I recommend you probably should give her up. Mm-hmm. But I think they, they mentioned that like once in the documentary and then that's it. Like they don't mention, they mention it, but then the, where it uh, comes from. the Barnett's <laughs> try to make it seem, well, Michael tried to make mm-hmm. it seem like there was many evaluations like that. It mm-hmm. wasn't just the one time. And then in the documentary, they brought out 
these orderlies that were witness to some of the behaviors oh, of, yes. of Natalia, but they weren't doctors, they no. were nurses. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to have a Caretakers. medical degree to mm-hmm. uh, do those jobs. Um, and they had their opinions about what they thought about her behavior. Um, at any rate, they inevitably, after the legal reaging, mm-hmm. so a judge gets a hold of it and he has his own formula about how he determines how mm-hmm. old she was. Yeah. Wasn't, now, he had all of the medicals in front of him, mm-hmm. right? Here's what's funny. He has all of the medical information in front of him. But the funny thing about people is we're not like trees. Mm-hmm. Can't just cut us in half yes. and count the lines. <laughs> so none of the information that he had was sufficient enough for him to make a a valid determination yeah. of age. So it just says, well, you say she hasn't grown in four years. You usually stop growing at 18. So mm-hmm. I, I declare her to be 22. Yes. So, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> I guess. I guess oh we're done then. God. I guess we're done here. Um, Without going into like the specific, I mean, most people, yes, but I mean, she has a, a rare like condition or like, yeah, I'm sure she doesn't qualify or she doesn't go by the normal growing charts. And also not everybody stops growing at 18. There's people that my daughter stopped growing like at 14, I want to say. Yeah, no, exactly. Like I remember seeing photos of my husband and he's the same height and everything since he was 13. Yeah. Like, it's, it's different for everybody. Yeah. It's not just as, and I didn't grow until I was like 18. You so, didn't grow? Like not n- like height and like look like a woman until I was 18. <laughs> I look like a 13 year old when I was 17. Yeah. So, it's just, it's different. For it's everybody. different for everybody. Yeah. They bloomer. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it happens. And you mm-hmm. know, especially with her form of dwarfism, you don't yeah. know how that affect her hormone levels such that it may or may not have produced pubic hair at an earlier mm-hmm, age. Exactly. They say that they checked Google and said that usually they don't start till around between the ages of eight and 12. Well, if she was six, yeah, she's not that far off. Yeah. Some girls start their, uh, their menstrual cycles when they're like eight years old, exactly. nine years old, 10. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Mm, exactly. It wouldn't be the first time it ever happened. You that's know? what I thought too. When I heard that part, I was like, oh. I mean, that's not really like the, the, the smoking gun they think mm-hmm. it is. And so sure questions or whatever. Um, mm. but at any rate, they also, uh, they, so after all of that, Believing that she's 22 mm-hmm. and having basically legal authority to do so, they decide to get her an apartment mm-hmm. because they're having behavioral issues and they stick her in this apartment to live by herself. Mm-hmm. So if the court is wrong and if the Barnetts are wrong <laughs> and if she was really born in 2003, as mm-hmm. Natalia states, and as her biological mother states, and I have some of the quotes, mm-hmm. she spoke recently after yeah. this this, uh, this uh, documentary came out, then she was really like seven or eight years old abandoned to live in a apartment by herself. They brought her food, I guess, to keep her alive, but she had to make her own food. She had to bathe herself. She had to take care of herself and all of these things. Which makes a lot of sense. Based Uh, on the stuff you heard in documentary. And we're going to get to some of that. (laughs) We're going to get to some of that for sure. So at any rate, in 2013, the Barnett's and they end up moving to Canada. They left her behind in an apartment in Indiana um, and that's what led to the neglect charges mm-hmm. being filed against the Barnetts. Um, they've all since been the charges uh, regarding Michael. Um, he was acquitted yes, of those he was charges. Acquitted. Mm-hmm. The the charges um, related to Michelle they were, were dismissed. dismissed. Yeah. 
And um, we're going to get into the reasoning behind the court about why. I think okay. part of it was statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. Part of it was um, the issue of age was raised judicata. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to just read the, the legal okay. opinions about all of that. Um, as of right now, Natalia is residing in Indiana okay. with her adoptive parents. Um, not with her adoptive parents. Well, the new ones. She was adopted by a family mm-hmm. post the Barnetts, right? Okay. With, and so, you know, she had a happy ending, sort of, mm-hmm. but this, I mean, as happy as it could get. Yeah. If she was really this child that was adop- mm-hmm. abandoned, but, you know, she's with the family that accepted her and exactly. took her in. And they had some interesting things to say on the Dr. Phil show. And it kind of touched on, they had like three different families that had adopted her. And the three families were like, um, they had various reasons why they decided not to keep her. I think the yeah. first one was I really wanted to, but I think they just couldn't. They couldn't because mm-hmm. of finances or whatever, their 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 medical conditions. Mm-hmm. There was another family prior to the Barnetts that were saying, number one, they were speaking really bizarrely. Yeah, they were, I, I think, remember. Jehovah's Witnesses mm-hmm. or Mormons. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember specifically, but they said that they had these spiritual gifts. yeah. And the spiritual gifts um, was the gift of discernment. Exactly. Yes, I remember that one. And they said that I observed that little girl and I just knew that mm-hmm. there was something that was off. Oh, Never yeah. mind that they were aware of all of this case. But, mm-hmm. you know, they just had a feeling in their heart that, you know, something was amiss. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. I can Somebody, the- uh, S. Gao <laughs> says that he's a total liar, doesn't believe that the nurses are ready, willing to go on break in hope. He says no doctor has ever confirmed she was analyzed to be an adult. The real doctor and dental records show. Yeah, and I agree. So this kind of goes mm-hmm. into what we were saying, that there was no proof whatsoever that I've seen substantiating mm-hmm. that she was actually a child. Now, listening to the um, Dr. Phil show, mm-hmm. they went on to explain that there were like she was told, mm-hmm. how Natalia explains it, she was told by Michelle mm-hmm. that she had 30 adoptive families okay. between the ages of zero and six. Mm-hmm. 30. Mm-hmm. Um, which seems like a lot. Yeah. Doesn't seem like that makes any sense at all. Mm-hmm. Whether it was 30, whether it was five, I don't know. The point was it was a lot. So there was mm-hmm. a lot of families that she was bouncing around mm-hmm. back and forth. If she was living in an orphanage in the Ukraine, Mm -hmm. who knows? I mean, she was adopted at six. Yeah. So there's an entire six years where we have no idea really what happened. Not too much information. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she was adopted by Ukrainian families, perhaps. Um, I know for, well, I know who the the, the documentary. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what was, I don't, I don't know what was the deal with uh, the the 30 families Mm -hmm. from the Ukraine. Um, or the 30 families that had adopted her. But mm-hmm. it was suggested that that was the number. Mm-hmm. The behavioral panel looked at the Dr. Phil interview. And you know the behavioral panel. They they kind of go in and they look. Mm-hmm. They're like these behavioral body language mm-hmm. experts that determine whether or not she is lying based yes. on body language. Mm-hmm. They did a, um, a panel on Natalia. And they also did one on Michael. Okay. Which I was just watching before the show. <laughs> and um, I want to watch that. That's 
That should be interesting. Yeah. And so very little is known about what happened to this little girl uh, Mm -hmm. before she came to America. Now, but what do you think about the can, oh, still, well, we're just going to have to do our bet. Eliana, Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn up the gain on you. See if that works. Oh God. (laughs) Okay. You don't want. Okay. So back to, back to the show. So what do you think about this idea? I thought the most compelling bit of evidence that they may have had that she was not really born in the Ukraine because they actually made that reference. Like, I don't even know if she was born in the Ukraine. Okay. Because she didn't have an accent. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, it depends. Um, I mean, yes, I thought that was weird, but at the same time, by the time that she gets to the United States, she's still little. Like, not everybody gets an accent, like, right away. And you can get rid of accents, too, if you spend a lot of time um, in another country. So that wasn't that big of a deal for me. Here's my thoughts. I think that if you were six years old Mm -hmm. and if you were bouncing around between 30 households or 10 households Mm -hmm. and um, you are a child, Mm -hmm. that one of your defense mechanisms is silence. That too. Mm -hmm. And so I think that she was probably very observant. Mm -hmm. I think that she was probably uh, not so quick to speak Mm -hmm. because the behavioral panel gets into it a little bit. They state that when she, if you're in that environment where you're constantly having to assess and reassess the rules for your living environment, then you're not going to be very uh, vocal. Exactly. Because you're unsure. And so if she's five or six, you know, it doesn't surprise me that she probably had um, an advanced sense of, uh, I don't know, street smarts. Yes. But... Usually uh, kids that are in the orphans, they, they tend to develop that pretty like uh, easily and fast like compared to other kids. Yeah, and that's what they were saying. They were, they were, they were saying basically that if, if there was a reason why her, behavior was, why her behavior was odd, maybe that had a lot to do with it. It doesn't mean that, you know, she's trying to deceive. She just, she's trying to survive. And exactly. so when she, think about this story. So think about how Michael describes how she's introduced to that family. She's introduced, and then they open the door, and she's like, oh, mommy and daddy, and then she's going up and giving them hugs, and they thought, like, oh, that's really weird. Like, you don't know that we're mommy and daddy. It's like, bitch, she's been through this 29 <laughs> times. You know? Exactly. I think she, she knows the rules. <laughs> I think she knows how to do it. Exactly. She just wants acceptance. <laughs> and so I just, I, I, can't, I can't even imagine. I don't even remember what it was like to be six years old, but I could have, like, if I didn't have the benefit of living at my uh, parents' house or a relative, somebody that I knew my whole life and I had to just go to some random stranger. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Okay, here's what I remember. When I was a kid and we're going to a stranger's house, I'd be very shy and I wouldn't say anything. I don't know you. Yeah. You know? Exactly. I don't know the rules here. I'm not going to look or touch or mm-hmm. say anything or maybe I would, but I wouldn't be so quick to speak. Exactly. But now imagine that you don't know if you're going to live there or not, or they're going to ship you off to somewhere else. Do you think that that would affect how you interacted with adults? Oh, yeah. How you interacted <laughs> with the world? Because if your world is constantly transition, mm-hmm. if your world is constant change, and you have nothing uh, to latch on to or, or bear roots for, um, 
what do you expect from a six-year-old? Now imagine, okay, could you imagine being, okay, imagine being married to a guy like Michael. Oh God, what a nightmare. (laughs) Imagine what that would be like if you were depending on him for stability, for emotional support, for, I don't know, just somebody to keep it together when you're losing your stuff and... Mm -hmm. Imagine that that was the guy that was charged with doing that. Now, you have a choice because you're an adult, but when you're a kid, exactly. oh, I guess it's my dad now. Mm-hmm. That guy didn't have his own. He was not stable himself. No. I mean, he's literally pounding the floor. They showed a video of him yes. jumping on the floor oh, and pounding the ground. And I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> and then, like, there was a point where... Um, he threw like a baseball bat he because he got everything. mad. He needs anger management. Classes. And then he was going to throw a laptop from the producer had given him, um, which I don't know. He just does not seem like the most emotionally put together guy. No. But now imagine that he's the one that's raising her. And the first sign of medical abnormality, because he's not, he doesn't have any children with mm-hmm. this condition. He hasn't have it himself. But, um, oh, the pubic hair thing, all of a sudden now she's the orphan from that movie that had come out like months prior to him adopting this young Ukrainian girl. So how does that affect the mindset of young Natalia? How does it affect the mindset of everybody else? Michelle, the siblings, Mm -hmm. if the man of the house, and forgive me for being a little bit traditional, Mm -hmm. but if the man in the house traditionally is supposed to bring stability, a sense of calm, a sense of focus that doesn't always come from the man. Sometimes it comes from the woman, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that there was much in the way of that from Michelle either. Um, What is that going to devolve into? Is it, is there any hope that it's going to devolve into anything less than what it became? Exactly. Which is, I mean, they had a really toxic relationship. Like, she that girl just couldn't look anywhere for comfort like that it's he's off mom she's abusive the siblings they seem as lost as her like i one of the things that really impressed me and in the documentary was when he's presenting one of his sons yeah and his He's making a big scene about it. And this is my son and this and that. And the face in the sun is like, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you putting up this show? Like, like, who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there was, um, you know what? The behavioral panel, they kind of weighed in on that, mm-hmm. on the children. And they were explaining that some of the stuff that they witnessed on the, if you haven't, if you don't know about the behavioral panel, mm-hmm. go check out their YouTube channel. I've heard about them. But they um, are, um. We've, we, I bring them up on this mm-hmm. show all the time uh, to discuss whether or not they think mm-hmm. people are telling the truth, but they're, they, they have a whole thing and they dissect mm-hmm. um, body language and stuff. But they had mentioned that one of the siblings they thought was probably um, extremely uh, autistic. Yes. And it was me. probably some of the reason for some of the mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to put this out for the audience. I know... Um, the issues with Eliana. Um, can you hear her at all? Oh, I think that's working. My mic is working. Mm -hmm. They're not hearing your mic. At all? Yeah. And so I'm going to, I might have to, 
I might just <laughs> kick my mic over to you. I might do that. I might do that. Is it on? <laughs> yeah. Um, at any rate, I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, so where did I leave off? Oh, the autistic the son. The autistic son, yeah. Yeah. So Possibly all I'm saying autistic. is if you have that scenario mm-hmm. with the um, with the house, that, that's, that was the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Natalia trying to survive. Mm-hmm. You have dad who's emotionally unstable and probably gay while trying to maintain a straight marriage mm-hmm. with his sons and his daughter. Um, oh, and by the way, the wife was cheating on him. Oh, yes. With the uh, dwarf. With a little person. (laughs) (laughs) And so all of this is going on, and Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to try to get into the the dynamics of their marriage, but Mm -hmm. that was, you know. Um, So these were the accusations in that dynamic Mm -hmm. as to Natalia. They say that um, there was the one accusation where they tried to drag her into the electric fence. Yes. Um, can hear her being picked up a little on your too low. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm literally going to flip my mic over to you. Okay. That's the best I could do for right now. Um, the accusations were they tried to pull her into electric fence, they being Natalia. So this seven-year-old um little person with a rare form of dwarfism is literally trying to drag her adoptive mother into an electric fence when they go on a hike Mm -hmm. to celebrate the birthday of one of the boys. And that was one of the accusations. And there was a lot of witnesses there. And I got to tell you, I've heard from some of the witnesses on on outside documentaries and they say, I don't remember it the way that they say that, you know, she was doing this. The way Natalia described it, it's like, listen, it's really hard for me to walk. And they took me on this hike as if, you know, I'm a normal person, like all of them, and uh, my feet really hurt, my legs really hurt, so I sat down, and then she got really angry at me, mm-hmm. and, you know, they had probably some kind of a disagreement, and I'm not even saying that Natalia was a saint. She probably was a six-year-old little troublemaker. Maybe she yeah. was. Yeah. Um, kids tend to be that way sometimes yeah. when uh, presented with uh, challenges, mm-hmm. but the way that Michael explained it was, listen, little people are really strong. She uses her hands more than anybody's like, okay, even so. She's six and she's like two and a half feet tall. Yes. <laughs> and you are a giant. There's no freaking way that he, she was overpowering Mm-mm. anybody in that household. I just mm-hmm. sincerely doubted. I just didn't, I didn't buy it. No. I don't know if he's trying to... Um, you know, embellish the story for the sake of the story, for the sake of the documentary or whatever. But the story goes, so they're having this difficulty. Natalia sits down and then they, she's, they signal to her, oh, just go on. I don't want Natalia to ruin um, our, our son's birthday. And so as they're heading out on the hike, they hear this blood curdling scream and they race back and it's like this huge thing and the police are called and whatever. And that's how yeah. we get to the mental health evaluations, which we don't know, um, which we don't know was the outcome of because those those records are sealed. I'll say that they did have a couple of nurses come onto the show and try to, they were interviewed and they say, oh yeah, she she was definitely odd. And then they made some mention that she was trying to uh, make sexual gestures at some of the orderly release or the nurses, which begs the question, 
So one of the indicators, okay, aside from the pubic hair thing, mm-hmm. they say that they found a pair of a menstrual underwear mm-hmm. that she was hiding. They claimed, they claimed. Mm-hmm. Michelle made that yeah. discovery, right? So she claims that this little girl is having her menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. and which was further evidence that she's obviously older. Natalia gets on the Dr. Phil show and she says, that's not true for one, but her new adoptive parents, it says, look, since she's been living with us, mm-hmm. she's never had a menstrual cycle. <laughs> so what do you make of all of that? Now, as far as um, the bloody underwear, yeah. Natalia explains mm-hmm. that she was forced upon that discovery mm-hmm. to wear a tampon. Oh, tampon. Oh now, goodness. Um, Eliana, for the listening audience. Oh, God. What do you make? Okay, when you first started your menstrual, mm-hmm. I remember when my daughter started her mm-hmm. menstrual. What do you make of uh, them curing that with a tampon? That's the very first go. Oh, no. <laughs> How would you do it? That's a big one. I mean, I think... Most girls are really not interested in a tampon right away. They're scared, like, what they're going use through. A pad, right? Yeah, they use a pad. And then afterwards, like, when they get comfortable, then they go into the tampon. And still, it's, it's like a process to get used to that. And if you don't have a menstrual cycle and you use a tampon, it can be pretty painful. And, yes, it can cause, like, bleeding. Bleeding, yeah. Yeah. Um. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting that you say that because on the Dr. Phil show, I thought it was curious that they started to talk about, um, oh yeah, because then I was, I used a tampon and then there was bleeding in my underwear. And then the, the, the new adoptive mom, um, goes on to say, um, Melissa Tapley says no child should use a tampon. And I agree when my daughter, okay. When my daughter first started her menstrual cycle, she was nine or 10. (laughs) Your daughter doesn't want to hear this documentary. She don't listen to me anyways. <laughs> she was nine or 10. Yeah. Um, and she was living with me at the time. And so it was like, what do I even do? Yeah. I think I called my mom. And, um, That's usually <laughs> what do I even do? And so um, I just went to the CVS mm-hmm. and I bought a shit ton of supplies. Yeah. But we know one thing that I didn't buy. I didn't buy tampons Mm -hmm. because even I understood as a dad, it's like, look, I'm not going to show you how to use this. Mm -hmm. Go talk to your grandma. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Here's a bag of stuff and uh, good luck with that. (laughs) That's how I handle it. (laughs) I bought her a heating pad. I bought her, um, I bought her some, uh, I don't know, Advil or, or not Motrin, Midol. Midol, yes. Yeah. That's the famous one. That's how I handle it. But a tampon for a 10-year-old, that just doesn't seem no. appropriate. No. But when the adoptive parents mm-hmm. mentioned, they started to mention, oh, that's probably because, and then they shut it down real quick. Here's what I think was going on. Mm-hmm. There's been two cases, two um, involving criminal charges against them. I think that, and even in the documentary, there was stuff that they were told not to go into. Okay. I think that the attorneys representing the Barnetts mm-hmm. made clear there was probably cease and desist letters that were sent out mm-hmm. saying if you bring up or mention any indication, even a scintilla of anything, mm-hmm. 
that resembles sexual molestation or sexual abuse, we are going to sue for defamation. That's what I thought too. <laughs> and they probably would have had a, a solid argument because there was two trials, criminal trials that were dismissed. And so how could you even say that was true? Now, mind you, they weren't charged with those things, but it was probably a, a clear um, we have to uh, make sure we don't get into this just to avoid any troubles. We want this documentary to be aired. We don't mm -hmm. want to do whatever. And so I think that there was a, a hint of that going on. Yeah, I know, especially the... <laughs> especially the whole um, promiscuity uh, that the nurses are talking about when yeah. she's in the hospital. That's usually one of the signs if a child is like showing those um that promiscuity is that she could have been exposed to some sort of sexual molestation I was say that. yeah so i mean that kind of explains to me her whole like talking about sex and being apparently like throwing herself to um to the men and who knows even if the bleeding uh underwear had something to do about that it's just i don't know that's what i thought <laughs> let us connect the dots Here's what I know about Natalia. She goes to this mental health facility and then she's exhibiting all of these uh, sexual uh, innuendos, behavior towards people. And if she's six or seven um, and she's been exposed to that, well, no wonder. I mean, it wouldn't be that abnormal. It happens a lot um, in some of these dependency cases yes. that children are sexually molested and then they reenact that with their siblings. Exactly. It happens way more often than you think, and which is why sometimes uh, brothers and sisters or, you know, whatever, they're mm -hmm. separated because it's to keep the other children safe because now mm -hmm. this child who's been abused is now perpetrating that on other siblings. And there was a lot of mention that... Um, was the case in some of the prior families. Yes. Which it might not have even been the Barnetts. Exactly. It could have been other families mm -hmm. that had engaged in that kind of stuff. But there was, on the Dr. Phil show, there was some mention that there was a, a boy um, where they were wrestling. Natalia described it as wrestling. Mm -hmm. But there was some, it, it seemed to me like they're trying to insinuate that maybe it, was, it had gone a little further than that and it freaked out the parents. And that's why they got rid of Natalia. Okay. So there's those things going on. But it's a little weird that in the midst of all of this Natalia stuff, that mom, Michelle, strikes up a um, extramarital affair. Oh, yes. With uh, the dwarf uh, jazz band musician, whatever he was. Yes. He had a band and everything. And then he was talking about how, um, oh, I get all the ladies. And it's like, <laughs> wow, I'd like to interview you for a day. I just want to hear the stories. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with you? Um, but I don't know that that part of it was bizarre. I don't know what to make of it, but if I'm connecting the dots, I'll tell you what. You remember that portion that we talked about with um, when we talked about Michael mm -hmm. and his anger outburst? Yes. They were going to hand him a laptop mm -hmm. where Michelle was accusing him of stuff. Yes. They didn't get into what that was. Mm -hmm. Michael knew exactly what was going to be said. Mm -hmm. It seemed like to me, because if it was me, it's like, oh, someone says something about me, I want to know. Mm -hmm. Which indicates to me that he was going to take the laptop. I don't even care what's on there. I've tried to do his voice. I can't do it. <laughs> I don't even care what was on there. You want me to throw this laptop across the room right now? The producer was like, could you just please be normal <laughs> for five seconds? Do I need to get you a lollipop? Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> 
I think that, that she was going to accuse him of yes. a sexual abuse. I think so, too. Yeah. What do you think of all that? No, I think so, too. When I saw that, I, I, the first thing that I thought was, yeah, I think there's something, um, like some sort of sexual allegations in that video. But, I mean, who knows? We don't know. We don't know because of the defamation <laughs> stuff. Yeah. They haven't gotten into that. Now, I wonder... Um, I wonder if Natalia's sit-down interview where she's going to tell her side, where if she's going to get into any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like there's a defamation lawsuit looming for sure. Um, at any rate, uh, let's move this along. Um, what was it? Okay. We talked about how the judge decided. Now, and here's that the other thing. <laughs> yeah, the judge, and my wife was asking me about this, yeah. like uh, how uh, she says something, and I started giving her this whole explanation about how the judge is only privy. I gave her this long explanation, and she's like, you know, I should have just, like, I should have never asked. It's like, <laughs> well, all right. Well, next time I won't answer you then. But it was like, um, how do they determine that Natalia was uh, 22? Mm -hmm. So... There was, it's, both sides were represented. Both submit medical evidence. As I was explaining to my wife, the judge has in front of him only the stuff that the attorneys bring to him. Even though in his ruling, he relies on his, ah, well, you normally start stop growing at 18, so she hasn't grown in four years. I declare her to be 22 years old. All I know from that ruling is that there is no piece of medical evidence that made any definitive statements regarding her age, and there's probably nothing regarding her mental capacity as an adult or a child. There was probably a significant amount of literature and medical opinions about how she reacted, uh, about her um, behavioral tendencies, about her ideations, about uh, some of the things that she would say. But there was nothing mm -hmm. where you could say, oh, definitely she's a 33-year-old um, scam artist mm -hmm. uh, posing as a six-year-old. Nothing like that. Yeah. Where the judge finally throws up his hands and says, nah. Now she's 22. Let's just call it 22, which is literally what she did. So now, next portion of the story, mm -hmm. now she's shipped off to the apartment mm -hmm. to live by herself, which was heartbreaking. Okay, so I'm a dad. Mm -hmm. My daughters are about her height, mm -hmm. you know, um, especially uh, Olivia. And, um, you know, they got the same kind of hair, the you know, the, the little kid hair. <laughs> And um, I see them run around, and then I'm looking at, this is a child. Mm -hmm. This is a child. There's nothing about her that says uh, adults to me. Nothing. Nothing. There's even a portion where she comes running across the street, and there's video of her, and then she's like um, making, you know, she has that little strut that she does, yes. and then she makes her way across the street, and then she doesn't go talk to the adult. She goes to talk to, like, the little yes. boy. And they're, like, they're playing bikes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, talking to her about her like she's an adult. But I saw a child. Mm -hmm. I saw a child. Nothing in that interaction suggested anything other than um, this is a kid looking for another kid to play with. Mm -hmm. Add on to that the fact that she was living by herself. She just got removed from... Who knows what happened to her um, in the orphanages, the other mm -hmm. homes, whatever. But she just got removed from where she had siblings and a mom and a dad. And now she's living by herself and the people yeah. bring her food. And when they come over, they're really mean to her. And, mm -hmm. you know, so she sits in there all day. She doesn't have a job, obviously. No. They sent her to an, a school for the, for adults. Yes, to finish her GED. Yeah. Something like that. Not, I don't even know if she's finishing a GED because 
what knowledge was she? I know. <laughs> she's not of that level. So I'm, I'm curious about what her schoolwork was like. But she would walk to and from school. Mm-hmm. In the morning, she's alone. When she comes home from school, mm-hmm. she's alone. Um, and the neighbors, oh, the neighbors yes. pissed me off so bad. So bad. Oh, they just ganged up on her. Okay. Yeah. So there was this, that old lady at first, she's like, oh, yeah, I saw her. She was nice at first. Groceries at first. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, she came into my place and she's looking around. It's like, it's like she was casing the place because mm-hmm. she wants to break in and burglarize all my stuff. How's she going to get it out, lady? <laughs> you know? How's she carrying it all out? Yeah. How's she getting in? But she gets that. And a lot of, I, I think the main complaint was, she didn't know any boundaries. No. She knew when everybody was coming and going. Mm-hmm. She would let herself in and start picking up things because she's a kid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, she said people made reference to um, she smelled really bad. Her hygiene oh. was really bad. But if she's a child. She's not taking a bath. <laughs> no child is doing that or knows what how to do that. Right? I still have to force our 14-year-old to take If you leave it up to them. <laughs> yeah. no. They don't want to. <laughs> and, and so I was telling my wife that the only way that that behavior makes sense is if she's really eight years old yeah. and has no interaction with the world mm-hmm. and is relying on her neighbors for mm-hmm. human interaction. Mm-hmm. And of course she's going to get on their nerves. And... Um, but the way that the entire apartment complex, they're literally trying to get her evicted. Yeah, that was sad. <laughs> and so um, it, it, the most heartbreaking part of the whole thing was when Michael walks in there because he knows he's facing whatever from the CPS. Mm-hmm. She had called CPS on her own. Yes. She had the CPS worker mm-hmm. on her cell phone. She had her on speed dial. And then the CPS worker initiates a report, another investigation. Michael got really pissed off at that and decided uh, that he was going to uh, walk in there and confront Natalia, eight-year-old Natalia. I'm not even going to consider the possibility that this lady was 22. To me, she's just not. There's no evidence to suggest that. I don't give a shit about the court rulings. What I observed was, I believe, her birthday... September 4th, 2003. I believe... I believe that she was either born in 2003, or if that is wrong, it's not much more than, like, maybe two years or something like that, but not, definitely not 22, like... It's it not just, no 22 for sure. No, like, like, It's certainly not 33. I don't know where that no. came from. Like maybe one or two years off, you know, because, you know, the whole adopt thing, uh, adoption and the coming from another country and not every country um, has the same process for registering children when they're born and stuff like that. But definitely not 22. Uh, she was a child. <laughs> definitely a child. And, and, and not only that, but I just... Her mother has spoke out about it. They even mentioned on the documentary, they, they tracked down her mother who was in the Ukraine and then just, she was speaking um, very candidly on the phone. I think she was speaking to like her sister or something. Like, they've been yes. tracking me down for 17 years trying to talk about this. 17 years ago would have been 2003, which would make complete sense. She actually come out to make uh, statements um, after the fact and she explains. Now, her age herself, if uh, Natalia was really 22. Oh, yeah. 
No, we have to focus on things that there is no dispute in. There's no dispute that that lady from the Ukraine is the biological mother. And if you see pictures of them, they look exactly alike. So there's no disputing that. But if she was 22, that would have placed the mom Mm -hmm. at 10 years old when she had Natalia. I mean, it's possible, but... Now, she had her at 22 Mm -hmm. by her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's possible for a 10-year-old, but... There's pictures of her. (laughs) She has a sister, and there's Mm -hmm. pictures of her pregnant with Natalia Mm -hmm. that have come out since then. And so the... All I'm saying is, out of all of the evidence that I've seen out there, there's way more evidence to support the fact that she's actually was born in 2003 Mm -hmm. than if she were to have been born in 1994 or 1992. When would have been? 91? I don't know. She wasn't born in 1991. 89. 89 is when they said. Yeah. Pardon my math. But, yeah, I'm I'm just going to, uh, I'm going with that. So... I'm looking at some of these uh, some of these pictures of, of the neighbors, and it's just it's reminding me of oh, <laughs> I hated these people. I couldn't stand uh, some of the things that they were saying and their reasoning. It just it kind of just goes to, to 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 it speaks to this idea about what happens when a group of people adopt an Same. idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it affects everything, and they went from. Concern over an abandoned little girl to she's a 22-year-old dwarf that's trying to burglarize. Now, there was one point where she makes a 911 call and she literally says, I'm stalking my neighbors and if somebody doesn't come and get me, I'm going to do something really bad. And it reminded me of a juvenile case that I had had. Way, well, not back till, I mean, years ago. Where it was this child that was screaming out for help, and he was being severely neglected. There was no parental supervision, and um, he's kind of left with uh, these uh, with the siblings that ignored him, and uh, made fun of him, and bullied him. And he did something very similar. He called the police and said, "I'm going to do something really bad if somebody doesn't come and get me right now." It's just a very childlike reaction to lack of attention, exactly. which is kind of heartbreaking. So when I heard that 911 call on that documentary, it wasn't proof of anything other than this poor girl is going through something. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw. At that point, I think the neighbors, if I'm not mistaken, the neighbors had already been like kind of ignoring her. So it does make sense that since she was not getting that attention from the neighbors, that she's like, okay, then... How else can I get attention? Let's just call the police. Let's just call 911. Yeah, well, that's what she did. Yeah. That's exactly what mm-hmm. she did. I mean, that's what I feel like she did. Yeah. I don't think that that was a mission of, I mean, it's just, it's a child crying out for help. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some of the criminal stuff. Okay, so the jurors got on the documentary, well, the one juror that they interviewed. Yes. They spoke about um, why they acquitted him. And it was basically, well, the charges were such that age didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And if it was abandonment of an adult, well, it's not. They gave her food and shelter and all this kind of stuff. If it's abandonment of a child, that's another thing. Now, the judge in the case of the criminal trials, at least for Michael, eliminated through a motion in limine any mention of the child's age whatsoever. 
to the point where they couldn't even, they couldn't charge her with um, neglect or abandonment of a child because she was legally 22. So the way that they were charged made that issue specifically irrelevant. They even, they couldn't even refer to her as a child or an yeah. adult, just a person. Just a person. <laughs> it, it was, it was okay. of no consequence yeah. because of the way she was charged and the unique thing that happened when they legally made her 22 mm -hmm. years old in the eyes of the law. Yes. Biological age be damned. It just didn't matter. Weren't going to talk about it. So the case was brought up on appeal. Um, it was decided in August of 20, uh, 25th of 2021. I'm going to read okay. through um, some of the thinking from the judge. So uh, let me just get to the port. So in 2008, uh, well, this is what they say. On appeal, the state presents two issues for review, which we restate as the following. Uh, did the trial court abuse its discretion by finding that the state was precluded from presenting evidence to the jury of Natalia's age to prove that she was a dependent of the Barnetts during the charged period? Question two. Did the trial court abuse its discretion by dismissing three of the counts charged against the Barnetts as being outside the statute of limitations? I'm assuming that those charges would have probably been as to Natalia, not Natalia, Michelle. Okay. So uh, they they affirm, meaning they hold up the yeah. uh, the rulings. This is what they this is how they explain it. So in 2008, New Hampshire couple they adopt Natalia from a Ukrainian orphanage. According to the Ukrainian order authorizing the adoption, Natalia was born in 2003. She entered the United States in 2008, and Natalia was born with a form of dwarfism called diastrophic dysplasia which results in musculoskeletal issues. As she grew older, Natalia would require several corrective surgeries to improve her quality of life. Based, based on events not relevant to the instant matter, the New Hampshire couple placed Natalia for readoption, and in 2010, the Barnetts agreed to adopt Natalia from the couple. At the time of the adoption, the Barnetts lived in Hamilton County, Indiana, and they petitioned to adopt Natalia in the Hamilton County Superior Court, their petition was granted, and the adoption decree was issued on November 3rd of 2020, or 2010. The decree issue, uh, listed Natalia's birth year as 2003. Soon after the adoption, the Barnats began to believe that Natalia was older than her date of birth suggested. Also, Natalia began to demonstrate threatening behaviors. Between 2010 and 2012, Natalia was medically and psychologically evaluated at several facilities located in Marion County, Indiana. In March of 2012, the Hamilton County Department of Child Services received a report regarding the Barnetts and Natalia and began investigating the situation. While the investigation was pending, the Barnetts informed the HCDCS staff that they were seeking to change Natalia's birth year. In June of 2012, the Barnetts filed a petition in the Marion County Superior Court Probate Division to have Natalia's birth year changed from 2003 to 1989 based on age estimates provided by a primary care physician and a social worker, which, by the way, were opposed by attorneys representing Natalia. Um, Eleven days after the Barnett's father petitioned, the probate court issued its order changing Natalia's birth year to 1989. Prior to granting the change order, the court did not appoint a guardian ad litem to represent Natalia or hold an evidentiary hearing, and the Barnett's did not appear in court. 
The petition was served on Natalia, who was hospitalized in Marion County at the time. Thereafter, the HCDCS case was closed as unsubstantiated. Now, after Natalia's birthday was changed, the Barnetts moved her into her own apartment in Hamilton County and assisted Natalia in obtaining federal disability benefits and supportive services to help her transition to life as an adult. In August of 2012, however, HCDCS received a report alleging that Natalia was a child victim of abuse or neglect. That's probably from when she was contacting the social worker herself. Um, And the agency again opened an investigation. In May of 2013, HCDCS filed in the Hamilton Superior Court a request uh, for authority to file a child in need of services petition based on its belief that Natalia was a child who had been abandoned and was in need of services. The court issued an order dismissing the petition, finding that it lacked jurisdiction over the CHINS matter because Natalia had been judicially determined to be an adult by the Marion County Probate Court. So if you're not following all of that, it's basically saying that, look, I understand you're bringing a petition. I understand mm-hmm. you think she's a kid, but it's already been judicially determined. Exactly. Our hands are tied. Mm-hmm. She's an adult for all intents and purposes, so you can piss off. Mm-hmm. Is basically what the courts are saying. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, gosh, she's reaching out to the social worker, mm-hmm. and then Michael walks in there, and he's all pissed off, and he's he starts a he erased her phone, like mm-hmm. basically did a your factory contacts. all of her mm-hmm. contacts wiped, and then he starts saying, "Hey, where'd you get these donuts? Where'd you get your oh, food? Oh yes, the food. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like she, her her shelves were fully stocked mm-hmm. because they just started." Obviously, because for camera purposes, mm-hmm. look how much yeah, look how much we provide for her. Look at all the good care we provide mm-hmm. for her. Look at all of this good food. Where did you get these donuts? And then he's a, he's like berating and accosting this mm-hmm. little girl. So imagine that she's seven or eight years old and not 22. This poor girl and the look on her face. And um, she looks so confused. <laughs> is there anything in her demeanor mm-hmm. that said teenager to you? No. That said young adult? 22-year-old? Nothing. That looked like an 8-year-old getting mm-hmm. yelled at. Mm-hmm. Which, what do you do when you're 8 years old and you're getting yelled at by they your like- parents? You <laughs> shut your mouth so that it stops as soon as possible, mm-hmm. which is what she was doing. At any rate, there was no point that I was angry in that show than during hearing Michael in the background have her on camera as he's basically verbally abusing her. Um, at any rate, uh, Continuing with the judicial decision, due to events not relevant to the case before us, Natalia's lease at her Hamilton County apartment could not be renewed. So in July of 2013, the Barnetts moved Natalia to an apartment in Tippecanoe County that was located on the public bus line and near various facilities that could provide Natalia with services and resources she might need. Soon thereafter, the Barnetts moved to Canada with their biological children, essentially abandoning her forever. So the Barnett, pay, they, they pay their first year's rent for Natalia's apartment, but did not provide additional financial support. But she was getting $733 a month in federal disability benefits. So enough to, I don't know, what is that enough to do back in 2012? Mm. You got to make that stretch. Uh, how are you going to, I mean. Also depends so much on the state. I don't know how rent. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not as high as California for sure, yeah. but still, that's not much. Um Natalia, she never saw Christine again and only saw... I've been calling her Michelle this whole time. Is her name really Christine? I think it was Christine. (laughs) (laughs) But she looked like a Michelle. (laughs) She did look like a Michelle. (laughs) Uh, Christine, again, only saw Michael once at a court hearing held years later, and that was the one where 
he's like uh, mouthing the words I'm sorry to Natalia because he's oh, trying yes. to say, oh, I'm so compassionate and so empathetic. The guy's a creep. I don't care if the guy's innocent or not, if he's really innocent, if he did. The guy's a freaking creep. He is. I, I would not invite him in my home. I don't want to ever see him on the streets. The guy's just, oh, I hate him. You know, something that really pissed me off is when he all of a sudden starts talking about how he is a victim of sexual abuse. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, he's going to explain. And then why he says that his wife was not allowing him to have sex with her and sending pictures. <laughs> it's I abuse. Like, I was like, really? Like, <laughs> how do you, how dare you say that you were sexually abused? Because of that? Because, because of, of denial? That. Like, huh. that guy is just... He's delusional. Oh, yeah. He's delusional. delusional. Yes. He's a drama queen. Yes, he is. Yes, yes. To the 10th degree. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, he was not, he, he's not a very likable guy. Um, getting back to this. Um, so around the time that the Barnetts moved to Canada, Natalia, she meets Antoine and Cynthia Manns, collectively the Manses, a Tippecanoe County couple that befriended Natalia. And soon after meeting the Manses, Natalia moves in with them. Um, in August and September 2013, Tippecanoe County Adult Protective Services conducted an investigation into whether Natalia was an endangered adult. Investigators interviewed Natalia and the Barnetts and became aware of, among other things, the 2012 order that changed Natalia's birth year. Um, the Adult Protective Services case was closed without further action because, again, the adult order. In 2014, the Tippecanoe County Sheriff's Department received a complaint from staff at a local adult reading academy questioning Natalia's age classification as an adult. An investigation ensued, which continued into 2015 and included meetings with the Tippecanoe County Prosecutor's Office. During the investigation, the Tippecanoe County Sheriff's Department was advised of the 2012 order and the detective who investigated the complaint sought help to obtain the records. The age change case was filed as an adoption case type, thus the court records were confidential. The detective, uh, through testimony at a subsequent hearing, indicated that the Tippecanoe County Prosecutor's Office wanted to help stabilize Natalia's situation. At least two meetings regarding the matter were held in the prosecutor's office, and the prosecutor's office attempted to enlist local attorneys to assist in the matter pro bono. So in April 2015, Marion County Deputy Prosecutor Cynthia uh, Weechton, don't even have no idea how to pronounce the name, but she filed an appearance in the HH case and indicated that she was appearing on behalf of Marion County um, Adult Protective Services. Um, they were added to the chronological case summary under the heading Interested Person. Um, she filed on behalf of them a petition for appointment of a guardian ad litem for Natalia. The probate court denied the petition. However, uh, they uh, the, the attorney did not withdraw her appearance. There remained, uh, MCAPs remain listed as an interested person for the duration of the case. So going to 2016, the Manses filed a petition uh, seeking guardianship. Michael filed an objection. Imagine. What is he filing <laughs> yeah, objections for? <laughs> what is his freaking deal? Uh, objection. You don't want the to be her guardian, then why do you... What does he care? <laughs> like... I don't understand. He's crazy. I don't understand. But he filed an objection asserting that Natalia was an adult pursuant to the probate court's 2012 blah, blah, blah. 
court appointed a guardian ad litem to represent Natalie's interest. And on April 26th of 2016, the circuit court issued an order finding that the preceded uh, the proceeding appeared to be a collateral attack on the age change order, which if you remember, um, uh, what, what, what law am I thinking about? What class is that? Civil procedure? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's what that is. A collateral attack on a judgment. That's oh, yes, the, yes. the age ruling thing. <laughs> okay. Um, I drew a blank. Uh, the court continued the guardianship proceeding and suggested that the Manzes pursue a motion to vacate the probate court's age change order before attempting to seek guardianship over Natalia. So in August of 2016... They file another uh, petition in probate court um, with a combined motion to vacate the age change order. I guess so they could finally adopt her as a guardian. Mm -hmm. A hearing was held March 7th of 2017, at which the Manzas and Michael were each represented by counsel who called witnesses and presented argument. Natalia was present was she was present and was represented by a gal who testified at the hearing. I don't know what gal stands for. Um, oh, the guardian, guardian ad litem. litem. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> well, so I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean gal? Guardian ad litem. The Menzes argued that there was no statutory authority to change a child's age. The petition to change Natalia's age should have been filed in Hamilton County. Natalia was not afforded due process because she received no notice of the matter that was initiated by the Barnett's, and they're making a jurisdictional argument. It's not even on the merits. Uh, but during the hearing, the probate court recognized that its original 2012 order was issued without notice mm-hmm. to all the parties. Therefore, with available evidence, could be set aside. At the conclusion of the hearing and immediately following the presentation of evidence, the court issued its ruling. First, noting that there had now been notice of the matter provided to all parties and a hearing had been held. And then the court reaffirmed the 2012 order that changed Natalie's birth year to 1989. You still want to be a lawyer? <laughs> I know. You still want to do this shit? Sometimes I'm like, what? I mean, I know people that are not in the field, they complain about the system. Mm-hmm. Imagine how we feel when we see these things. <laughs> it's like, yeah. really? It's just frustrating. So two and a half years later, in September 2019, the state in separate Tippecanoe County cases charged Michael and Christine each with six counts of neglect of a dependent and two counts of conspiracy to commit neglect of a dependent, alleging that the Barnett's committed the charged offenses as a continuous act from July 10th of 2013 to February 28th of 2016 because of the duration of the charge period, which spanned the 2014 criminal code revision. There were two sets of charges, one set for the events that occurred prior to 2014 and one for after. Um, And then they list uh, the uh, charges in this document, and they're basically what they just said, neglect of a dependent. There's like multiple counts on both felonies, all of them. So on May 4th of 2020, Christine files a motion to dismiss the charges against her, asserting in relevant part that the state lacked subject matter jurisdiction to file the charges. The statute of limitations had expired for the filing of the charges, alleged to have occurred prior to 2014. And the issue of Natalia's age was raised judicata, which is, it's been decided. Yeah. You don't get two cracks at the apple. Um, where did it leave off? I lost my place. The state filed its response, and they maintained 
among other things, that it was not collaterally stopped from litigating Natalia's age and the statute of limitations was told, which would have been my argument, uh, by the Barnett's alleged concealment of the crimes. A hearing on the matter was held on July 27th of 2020, and on August 14th, the trial court issued a detailed order granting in part Christine's motion to dismiss. Specifically, the court dismissed counts 1 to 14 to the extent that they rest upon the allegation that Natalia was a dependent because of her age since under the theory of raised judicata, Natalia had already been determined to have been an adult at all times alleged. So that order, whether right or wrong, basically kept the Barnetts out of jail. Pretty much. That's what happened. Um, the court also dismissed counts 1 three and five for the reason that they failed to contain sufficient language for the fact finder to conclude that they fall within the statute of limitations, which is essentially all of the charges. Mm -hmm. And the court determined, however, that the state may proceed with the remaining counts under the theory that Natalia was a dependent because of physical disability, which drastically changes um, what the state would have to prove. Now, if you believe that she's a 22 year old dependent person and you put somebody up in a, um, an apartment and you provide food and shelter and you set them up with benefits and financial, what more are you required to do? It's difficult to make that finding that you've committed a felony mm -hmm. under those terms. The charges make a lot more sense if we're talking about an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old for that matter, right? Mm -hmm. So that was basically the death knell for the case against the Barnetts, really. Um, in August 7th of 2020, Michael files a motion in limine arguing that the state should be precluded from presenting any evidence at trial which would be inconsistent with the probate court's 2012 age change order. And after the trial court issued its dismissal order in Christine's case, Michael then filed in his case a motion to dismiss counts one through six and incorporated his motion in limine therein. The trial court held on Michael's motion to dismiss on August 26th, 2020, um, an ops. Blah. On September 1st, the court issued its order granting in part Michael's motion to dismiss, specifically counts 1 to 6, to the extent that they relied on her age, and then counts 1, 3, and 5 for the reason that the state failed to allege facts, facts sufficient to constitute an exception to the statute of limitations as previously held in the Barnett order, which would be essentially this. They're saying that the statute was told because of the act of concealment, mm -hmm. but then you have to have alleged that they were actively trying to conceal prior to the date that the statute of limitations would have been good to have told all the way to 2020, which they failed to do, which is why they got kicked out yeah. on uh, poor pleadings, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. So uh, did the state screw up? Yeah, they kind of did. Yeah. They, they kind of did. Um, but I don't know. Um, where to leave off? So um, the trial court certified for interlocutory appeal the orders issued in the Barnett's respective cases. The state then filed motions for this court to accept jurisdiction over the interlocutory. Blah. Okay. So anyway, here everything's up for review. So this is what the the uh, this is what they say. The states uh, the state appeals the trial court's grants and part of the Barnett's motions to dismiss. We review a trial court's ruling on a motion to dismiss a changing information for an abuse of discretion which occurs only if a trial court's decision is clearly against the logic and effect of the facts of circumstances, which is off of that academic reading. Mm -hmm. It logically flows yeah. from the law. I mean, they made a determination that was a law. It was mm -hmm. litigated and decided. And so 
raised judicata applies. I agree. Uh, statute of limitations. Your argument is that the exception is that uh, there is a tolling of the statutes. I don't see facts sufficient in the complaint to support that finding. So from a purely academic exactly. exercise, mm-hmm. um, that's logical. And mm-hmm. so good luck proving abuse of discretion yeah. with those facts. Uh, but that was the job. So the trial court also abuses a trial court also abuses its discretion when it misinterprets the law, which they didn't do here. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go into some of the arguments. So the state argues that the trial court abuses discretion by giving preclusive effect to the Marion County probate courts, 2012 age change order, thus preventing the state from presenting to the jury evidence of what the state believes to be Natalia's true age. The state's argument is twofold presenting issues of void judgment and raised judicata. And we address each argument in turn. So the void judgment, the collateral attack. So first the state argues that the trial court erred by finding that the age change order was entitled to preclusive effect. According to the state, the Barnett's were required to return to the Hamilton County Superior Court to request a change in Natalia's age because the adoption court had in 2010 found Natalia's birth year to be 2003 when it issued its adoption decree. So their argument is, well, prior to the 2012 Mm -hmm. thing, there was this 2010 thing where we already said that she was three. And then you made in a separate court Mm -hmm. in a separate county, a finding uh, that was inconsistent and they can't both be true. Mm -hmm. So the first one should control. Uh, The state contends that by filing the age change petition in the Marion County probate court, instead of in the adoption court, the Barnett's collaterally attacked the adoption court's 2010 order. The state asserts that the trial court in the instant criminal case in finding the probate court's age change order was entitled to preclusive effect failed to recognize that the probate court could not enter an order purporting to establish Natalia's age because the adoption court already entered such an order. Thus, the trial court erred by giving the probate court's age change order preclusive effect as the order should have found to be uh, void ab initio, and we disagree, and they explain why. So, they define a collateral attack as a judicial proceeding pursued to avoid, defeat, evade, or deny the validity and effect of a valid judgment or decree. And they list state law supporting that. So, the term void ab initio means void from the beginning Mm -hmm. and denotes an act or action that never had any legal existence at all because of some infirmity in the action or process. Um, Here, neither the adoption court nor the probate court lacked authority to provide the relief ordered. The subject matter and judgment of the adoption court pertained to the adoption of Natalia, and the adoption proceedings affected the Barnett's adoption of Natalia. This court has held that the purpose of the adoption is to fix the status of an adopted child as nearly as possible to that of a natural child and to give it the position in the family and all the rights and privilege of a child of both the husband and wife. The name of the child is changed, its identity merged into that of the adopting parents, and it becomes their child in all but blood. This is what occurred when the adoption court entered its adoption decree. While the decree did contain the birth year for Natalia that was listed in the Barnett's verified petition for adoption, the adoption court was not required to determine Natalia's birth year per se, meaning be all that accurate. 
When the Barnetts filed their petition in the probate court, they initiated the action to change the birth year from 03 to 89. Not to set aside the adoption. Natalia was physically located in Marion County at the time the age change was sought, while the matters addressed in the adoption court and in the probate court may have required consideration of facts relevant to both sides. There was no overlap of claims between the two cases. The adoption proceeding and the age change action were two different claims, which on that logic, yeah, makes sense to me. Um, each court had the authority to provide relief ordered. As such, the age change action was not impermissible collateral attack on the adoption proceeding and the 2012 age change order is not void ab initio what is the moral of the story on those on, on those findings I think the moral of the story is don't ever have to appeal your stuff just get it right the first yes. time it's really hard to win things on appeal um, the raised judicata issue the collateral estoppel. So next, the state argues that notwithstanding this court finding that the age change order is not void, the trial court still erred in applying issue preclusion to exclude evidence that Natalia was a minor when the Barnetts adopted her because the state was not a party to the age change proceedings. The state did not have full opportunity to litigate Natalia's age. And three, applying issue preclusion would be unfair. Yeah, brings me back to I know, <laughs> right, right back to like, bar, I, right? I can remember like the. the so piece. the state's argument involves the doctrine of res judicata, which encompasses the principles of issue preclusion and claim preclusion. Raised judicata, whether in the form of claim preclusion or issue preclusion, aims to prevent repetitious litigation of disputes that are essentially the same by holding a prior final judgment binding against both the original parties and their privies. In contrast to claim preclusion, issue preclusion, also referred to as collateral estoppel, applies where the causes of action are not the same, but where some fact or question has been determined and adjudicated in the former suit, and the same fact or question is again put in issue in the subsequent suit between the same parties. In this case, the state's claim the state's claims sounds in collateral estoppel. And whereas here, the Barnett's, the defendants, seek to prevent the state from relitigating the issue of Natalia's age that, according to the Barnett's, the state already litigated and lost in the probate court's age change proceeding, the term defensive collateral estoppel characterizes the situation. The trial court's decision to allow the defensive use of collateral estoppel will be reversed only upon an abuse. Let me go on the abuse. Mm -hmm, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So, um, they list that there are three requirements for the doctrine of collateral estoppel. Mm -hmm. There has to be one, a final judgment on the merits, which I think we had in 2012 as an evidentiary hearing. Um, it wasn't based on anything but the merits. There was evidence pre presented on both sides, mm -hmm. and there was um, a decision made. Two, identity of the issues. Natalia's age. Mm -hmm. Three, the party to be stopped was a party or the privity of a party in the prior action, which we have with the Barnetts mm -hmm. and the county mm -hmm. and the adoption people and the state and um, all of these people. They're all involved at that time mm -hmm. or the privies, right? Yes. Furthermore, two additional considerations are relevant in deciding whether the defensive use of collateral estoppel is appropriate, whether the party against whom the judgment is pled had a full and fair opportunity to litigate the issue. You know where they're going with this. Yeah. You had your chance and you lost. Exactly. 
Um, so regarding the first requirement that there be a final judgment on the merits by a court of competent jurisdiction, the Marion County probate court was a court of competent jurisdiction. And we have already determined that the adoption proceeding and the exchange action were two different things. This probate court's judgment was a final one because it disposed of all the issues as to all the parties, thus ending the case. And the judgment was on the merits. While the original 2012 age change order was issued without a hearing, a full evidentiary hearing at which all interested parties were present was held in 2017 at the conclusion of which the probate court reaffirmed the 2012 order. And they explain the second requirement is that there was an identity of the issues. This requirement is met with an issue that was necessarily adjudicated in the prior proceeding as the same issue presented in the subsequent loss. I, I don't even think we know what it is. Yeah. The age change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, regarding the third requirement that the parties of the two actions be the same parties or privies, the state remains that it was not a party to any litigation in which Natalia's age was decided and that although various governmental entities interacted with Natalia and the Barnetts, which this is their best argument, mm-hmm. um, the case was uh, the first opportunity for the Tippecanoe County Prosecutor's Office had to bring criminal charges relating to neglect after it finally untangled all the extent of the Barnett's complicated web of deceit. I make that argument all the time when I take over for another attorney Mm -hmm. and I disagree with their course of action and say, yeah, I know you talked about that, but I didn't get a chance to make my arguments, Mm -hmm. Your Honor. It doesn't matter, Counselor. That's enough of you. (laughs) That's how that goes. Um, I lost my place. The Barnetts argue that the state was the privy of the Marion County um, prosecutor and the adult protective services. Yeah, that's an easy argument to make. Mm-hmm. Basically saying that they were in privity, if not able to make the arguments, they mm-hmm. still were in the same context. They list a case um, in Becker v. State, defendant Beck, well, they, they name it. Yeah. And then they're going over facts. Becker appealed. So they go over reasoning. There was a case of facts. And so this is their reasoning. Applying our Supreme Court's reasoning in Becker to the instant case, we find that the Tippecanoe County Prosecutor's Office is in privity with the NCAPS, Marion County Adult Protective Services, as represented by the Marion County Prosecutor's Office through Deputy Prosecutor Weechton. TCPO has the same interest in its criminal action against the Barnetts as NCAPS had when it filed its petition for appointment of guardian ad litem for Natalia. Uh, that is protecting Natalia from abuse and neglect. And after judgment was rendered in the age change proceeding, TCPO acquired an interest in blah, blah, blah. That's where they're going. So that's where they failed on appeal. Um, they go in to talk about more stuff about collateral estoppel. And if you guys want to look at the, um, the remainder of the decision about why the Supreme court ruled the way that they did, um, you guys can do that. It's out there. I just don't want to do that because we've been going for like an hour and a half and I don't want to put everybody to sleep with my reading. (laughs) Not everybody likes reading cases. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it, but not everybody (laughs) does. So, um, where did I leave off? Um, that's what happened with the criminal case. That's why the Barnett's are not in jail. And there's nothing anybody's going to be able to do about it. The only chance this ever gets back into litigation is whether or not the Barnett's decide to file a defamation case against mm-hmm. Natalia, which if they do, they truly are, truly are bona fide pieces of shit. Yes. I still can't get over that. The fact that Michael, of all people, objected uh, 
<laughs> to somebody else adopting the child. My wife was asking that. It's like, why don't, if they don't want her, then why don't they just give her to someone else? Yeah, the other exactly. people did. I was like, that's a really good question. Maybe it's because they sexually abused her and they don't want it getting out. Mm-hmm. Because right now, they're able to control the narrative in a way that they would not be able to if she was with some other family. Mm-hmm. And she's getting older and, you know, the whole thing. That was my, uh, that was my take. So here is uh, what I mentioned her mom. Yes. Her mom's name is Gava. Gava. Um, she speaks about the documentary, and she herself says... Natalia's mom, biological mom, that she was born in 1979. She says that Natalia's date of birth is September 4th of 2003. She even says, yeah, she's born at 625 a.m. in the maternity hospital, number one. She is my biological daughter, which would make her, as of right now, I believe that makes her 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gava's appearance, she appears on the documentary, Hear Her Voice, um, and she kind of asserts the same thing. Uh, she says, speaking at that time, she said her daughter was 16. She says, I know exactly. She says in the documentary, mm-hmm. when they tracked her down at the time, her daughter was, Natalia was 16. Yes. That would have been when? That would have been in uh, 2018, I think. 2019. 2019. Okay. <laughs> so, I believe you. I trust your math. <laughs> but she said at that time, I know exactly how old mm-hmm. she is. Um, she was speaking through a translator. She said, this girl's my daughter. She was born 16 years ago. Uh, 16 years ago. It was not immediately clear if Gava's comments would result in the court revisiting. Well, it's, it is clear. They're not going to revisit yeah. it. For all the reasons that we just went through very mm-hmm. boringly. Um, she says the documentary said they showed it her to me. The childbirth was difficult. It was very difficult. She's explaining after she gave birth. So she, she showed her the baby, explained she had a very difficult childbirth. When I regained consciousness after the anesthesia, the next day, the doctor comes and says, there's no sense taking her home. They said that she won't be able to walk at all. She's going to be a very short stature. She said a surgery was going to cost like $100,000. And since you don't have that kind of money, you also have an older daughter. You might as well just get rid of her and live your life is essentially what they told this mother in the Ukraine. Um, She says, I didn't initially want to leave her, but the doctor said there was nothing you could do for her. You're so young. You're 24 years old. Don't ruin your life. You will have other children. That's the story of how she ended up in an orphanage. Well, um, Ileana, what would you do if you had a child that was born with such a condition and somebody suggested, Oh, you know, it's going to be way, way too hard. Just here, sign these papers, give her up and live your life and do what you got to do. Ignore this one. You you could have other kids. What would you say? I just couldn't. (laughs) I mean, just thinking like, even right now, but I'm expecting if something like that were to happen, I, I can't, I can't just sign on off just based on what somebody's telling me that is going to be difficult. Could you even imagine the doctors suggesting to you, oh, just give her up for adoption? I don't think that would happen in America. No, I mean, I know it happens in other countries, but um, yeah, it will be unethical here. It might happen. I mean, there's crazy doctors out there. I, just, I, can't, I can't imagine a doctor trying to talk 
a mother into that, you know? Yeah. This poor Mike. <laughs> um, so they continue on. Uh, they say... So this is her mom speaking. Um, getting, I think it is. Oh, no, this is the prosecutor. Um, they said getting her re as an adult could have been a way for Michael and Christina to protect themselves from the child neglect charges. Mm-hmm. Um, she says that... Um, so, about the pubic hair. She says, so there aren't a lot of good reasons mm-hmm. besides seeing pubic hair on her to believe that she was born anytime between 2003. So there was this bizarre moment in the documentary where they said that she was with an, she they brought her a play date mm-hmm. that other child that had the same condition as her. Okay. They noted the differences in physical appearance. Mm-hmm. They were around the same age, but one was significantly smaller. She had puffier cheeks. Mm-hmm. And they said that Natalia had the face of an adult, the cheeks bones of, of an adult. And then when they heard, Natalia heard them talking about that, mm-hmm. she like puffed her cheeks out mm-hmm. to make herself look more youthful. And they took a picture of it. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. She's just going to puff her cheeks out the whole time. Yeah, no. Oh, it, it's um, the, the entire case. From the Barnett's perspective, Mm -hmm. I just feel like, okay, so if I'm making the decision to adopt a child, and I've talked about it with my wife, Mm -hmm. adopting a child, um, maybe like when we're in our later years Mm -hmm. and and now it's like, why would we do that? We're finally free, you know, (laughs) raise another one of these little shits, for lack of a better word. But um, we brought it up. And if I'm adopting a child that I know has a condition, a mm-hmm. medical condition, I don't think I'm just so quick to dismiss as an adult. I think mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I just, there's there's no logic behind anything the Barnets did when they were raising Natasha, or Natasha, Natalia. Natalia. <laughs> there, there's no logic to it. Mm-hmm. There's no redeeming aspect of it whatsoever. And even when they're presenting that documentary from their perspective, mm-hmm. Like I'm, even when they're trying to present it from their perspective, I'm 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 thinking about it like, it just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. That doesn't look like an adult to me. Mm-mm. Their actions didn't make sense. That his behavior didn't make sense. His mm-hmm. mannerisms, the way that he spoke, didn't make sense. Okay, so I'll tell you what. The behavioral panel. So they weighed in on Natalia, mm-hmm. and they said essentially, is she telling the truth? Here's what they said. Mm-hmm. And they spent a good two hours discussing it. Does she have some of the um, mannerisms that would suggest deceptions? Mm -hmm. Yes. But is one of the explanations maybe that she was in 30 different adoptive parents' homes Mm -hmm. and forced to fend for herself and Mm -hmm. underwent this entire thing where people were thinking she was an adult and she was Mm -hmm. abandoned in an apartment. Could that have been the cause of her odd behaviors where people Mm -hmm. were thinking? Absolutely. Is she being truthful? They, they basically said, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. As far as the age thing, they didn't really have an opinion because, but I don't know if she could be, but they said anywhere between, uh, you know, eight to 14, who knows, but she certainly wasn't no 33 year old woman. Mm -hmm. Now as to Michael, interestingly, (laughs) interestingly, they said that they believed him. Oh, really? They believed him. 
but they said they didn't, well, they didn't believe the knife thing. How he, okay. she, he said that she was standing over them with oh, a knife. Yes. Mm-hmm. He, they said that they did not believe him with that. Okay. But they do believe that he believes that she was an older child. But well, they were basing it off of like these, they didn't mention, they were basing it off of these abbreviated interviews mm-hmm. that he had given to the news. But I mean, of course, he believes that. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. I think he does believe that yeah. she was an adult, but that, doesn't mean that she's that doesn't mean that she's an adult. <laughs> well, I guess it goes to this next question. So let's say that he really believed all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He really believes that she's a. I mean, hell, people back in the 1500s they used to believe people were witches. Yeah, that's why I'm like genuinely, <laughs> and they would burn people alive mm-hmm. because they had a bad dream about people, and it's like um, I don't know. People believe crazy things all the time. So maybe he was he believes what he was saying, mm-hmm. um, even if we don't. Uh, subscribe to the way that he handled Mm -hmm. it. He believes it. So I guess the main question that I have, I mean, it's not even a question. I've already talked about it. I believe that she was sexually molested by these people. I believe that the Barnetts committed acts of sexual abuse while Natalia was in their home. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the most obvious and simple reason for why they didn't just give her to another family was because she didn't want her, her, They didn't want her getting older and remembering those things. And all of a sudden charges are brought back against them Mm -hmm. because now it's like, now what we have these things, maybe, maybe it was a, what was her name? Christine. It wasn't Michelle. Christine. Christine. I think that Christine might've been the perpetrator of the sexual abuse, forcing her to wear a condom, uh, a a menstrual girl. If she was a menstrual, which by the way, Natalia says that she's never had a period. Mm Mm-hmm. To and this it does day. make sense because a lot of uh, people with like growth conditions, they never have a period. So Yeah, which I, I, I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe the period story. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is absolutely insane that the way you're going to handle that um, is with a tampon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that lady... Um, so why would you think she was molested? Yeah, well, I think she was molested just because if I'm connecting the dots... The tampon story, mm-hmm. um, the weird affair with the dwarf. Yes. I don't know what was up with that. I don't know if she has weird sexual fascinations with that, which I don't know. That seems outlandish mm-hmm. to think. I don't know about that. I just feel like the nurse orderlies mm-hmm. described Natalia's behavior as being overtly sexual. Exactly. And I know that that commonly happens with people that have been sexually molested. And I base that on my knowledge of cases where I know children that have been sexually molested, and then they go on to sexually molest their siblings. It happens way more often than you think. And it's the only explanation that makes sense. So it's either Natalia was a 22-year-old that was looking for a boyfriend, or she was acting out something that was done to her as a six-year-old, as a six-year-old would normally do, or sometimes do in those situations. And then the defamation stuff. Mm-hmm. And then every time it seems like they were going to touch in that documentary on stuff circling around, it mm-hmm. seemed like the entire time they're circling around this idea of sexual misconduct yes. with her. And every time it would come up, it would get shut down. Mm-hmm. Not only on that documentary, but on the Dr. Phil show, mm-hmm. they started to get into some of this stuff with the tampon and then the mm-hmm. parents shut it down. It's like, hey, oh. the defamation thing, remember? And then they were going to bring up where Christine mm-hmm. had accused it looked like they were going to accuse Michael of uh, sexual misconduct or 
Um, and then Michael just threw a tantrum and said he was going to throw the, he's the going laptop. to throw the laptop mm-hmm. across the room. Um, they haven't touched on it. Mm-hmm. I just feel in my guts mm-hmm. that that's probably what happened to her. And I don't feel like this documentary that came out is the entire story. No. And indeed, Natalia is going to um, tell her story later this summer. And I'm anxious to, it's, when that comes out, we're going to revisit this topic okay. and we're going to talk about it. But I wonder if some of that stuff is going to come out. She just seems like a girl that was sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And I'm basing it on my experience with my own clients and the cases that I've worked exactly. and just connecting the dots and the stuff that we know about in the documentary. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, SK, uh, that's why. Um, say hey to Alicia. I honestly just commented about that or the video about Natalia. It's my belief she saw Christine's behavior. Yeah. 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 That's my main mm-hmm. thing. I think if, if she was acting out sexually like that, um, it was because of stuff that she saw with Christine. Yeah. I look at all the other stuff. I saw all of the video that they showed on that documentary. I, I think the most telling was when she's running out of her apartment mm-hmm. and uh, she's all excited because the little boy came out mm-hmm. and she's like running and like just smile on her face and she's playing bikes yeah. You know, she's been alone all day, and uh, she just seemed like a kid, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, if she's a 22-year-old, I mean, I don't know. Most 22-year-olds that I know don't want to play. With a little child. With though. little five-year-olds that they're not babysitting and exactly. forced to do that because they're getting paid to do that. Mm-hmm. And just imagine, eight-year-old, alone at night, mm-hmm. all night, has to make her own meals. She has like a cabinet full of food, but how does mm-hmm. she prepare it? She, yeah. she had a microwave. How does she even cook? Mm-hmm. She has to go back and forth from adult school. And so with all of these uh, people that have not successfully completed high school diplomas, mm-hmm. they're getting their GEDs or probably, I don't know what that was like for her. But just imagine she's all there by herself and um, looking for any human interaction. She, she has a, a TV. Wouldn't it make sense that every time the neighbors came around, she's trying to make friends with them? And probably getting on, on their nerves. That reminds me, I used to have this neighbor. It was a little kid that he would do that. He would pay attention when the neighbors would come home. And then he would just knock on the door because he wanted to play. He would ask to play. He would ask for food. Yeah. Like even if we order a pizza, he would just pay attention and knock on our door. Can you give me some pizza? And it was child. I mean, that's child behavior. She, he... That child was looking for attention. I think Natalia was looking for attention and then to be fed. <laughs> you know what's funny here? Yeah, maybe to be fed. Yeah. Maybe just be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Maybe just to hang out. Maybe for whatever. But it's very common in cases that I see. Oftentimes, I'm at the dependency court. Yes, yes. That's where uh, I and also see it too. oftentimes, children will just randomly come up to you like, hey, my name is Michael. Or my name is, well, not Michael, yes. whatever. My name is whatever. And they'll just mm-hmm. strike up a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's not something that most normal kids do to no. strangers unless they're just neglected or not mm-hmm. paid attention to. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not a psychologist by any means. I'm an attorney that deal with these cases a lot. I'm giving my yeah. perspective from my own experiences. SK mentions it could that she could have been abused prior. Yeah, we mentioned yeah, that. that. She could have been abused in one of her other 30 homes. I don't think mm-hmm. it was 30 homes. And there's nothing to substantiate that, mm-hmm. but it was definitely more than three. Yes. She was definitely in the Ukraine for some period of time before she came to America. And then he says, what about when she came to the older man's, um, the laundry at the first apartment? Oh, what about when she came to, or to the older man in the laundry at the first apartment? She was lonely. Yeah. 
mimicking the behavior. Exactly. All the yeah. things that we mentioned. Um, she was lonely. She was a kid. But I understand there was that one parent where it's like, hey, I know you want to call me on the phone and talk, but could I watch my my, uh, yes. my son's soccer game, please? <laughs> um, but I feel like, okay, let's say that you're living in the apartment complex and this little girl's knocking on your door. How do you handle it? What do you do? It's hard. <laughs> I think I'd probably take her into the home and call yeah. the cops. Yes. It's like, and if they told me she was 22, it's was like, no, she's not. Mm -hmm. No, she isn't. Um, I would, I would want to get to the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to, it's hard to say when you're not in that situation, yes. the, the annoying kid, everybody wants to turn their back on the kid because, oh, it's not my problem. She lives in that apartment and then mm -hmm. they're all trying to get her evicted. But, um, that was Natalia's reality, uh, for the longest. Um, so, and, and I think that we, um, have answered all of the questions that we're going to be able to get to you today. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been going for like two hours. On the podcast, probably only an hour and a half is going to get into okay. it because of all of our technical <laughs> difficulties. Uh, but that was the case of um, little uh, Natalia Grace. And that story is pending. She's an adult now. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention about the age thing. Okay. In the pictures, you could very clearly see there's a progression yes. from child to adult. And I think they had even mentioned mm -hmm. she had baby teeth in some pictures and now she has adult teeth. In some of her later pictures. The hair yeah. looks different. The hair looks different. The speech, yeah. the voice mm -hmm. sounds a little bit different. Going back to the apartment when Michael was like verbally abusing her. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she has, she just, she spoke like a kid. Mm -hmm. But in her interview with Dr. Phil, she was a lot more articulate. Yes. Um, and even in the, the uh, preview that I saw for her new interview with Investigative Discovery, uh, she sounds even more. She actually sounds like a college student. Yeah. So we'll 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 get to the bottom of that. We're gonna get into it when it comes out. But that's all we have for you next week. That was the story of um, Natalia Grace, and um, yeah, that that, that was that's it. That's a crazy one. <laughs> it was a, that was a crazy one. That was a crazy one. So um, for all of you that have uh, stayed with us for the entire show, thank you. And thank you for bearing with us for all of our technical difficulties. I, I think I'm out of steam. <laughs> I think I've lost my will to speak. <laughs> I think I'm tired. I'm hungry. I think my batteries are done. I think it's time to go get some food. <laughs> but that's all I have for you guys this week. Um, I'm really out of batteries. I, I, I have this whole thing that I normally say I to lock your doors, to hug your family members, um, you know, give everybody, you. yeah, all those things. <laughs> we'll see you guys all next week. And it's been a, it's been a long show. Um, we'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to the entire podcast. We really do appreciate that. And as always, you can find us on YouTube on the Tilted Lawyer Podcast YouTube channel or on your podcast carrier of choice. If you feel we've presented anything of value, please leave a five-star rating, like, and subscribe. We always appreciate that kind of thing. And we do look forward to seeing you all again live every Thursday at 3 in the afternoon. We love you all. Take care. Bye-bye.